power to release thee, humanly speaking, that soul. But notice the answer the Lord gave, the Lord's answer, thou couldst have no power at all against man, except it were given thee from above. Isn't that a solemn scripture? I think what I tell you what I think we can do. I think you can preach that God can command the winds and the waves to obey him and everybody. Boy, that's the kind of God I believe. I think you can go far enough now to preach and marvel that God can raise men from the dead like he did last, the Lord. And people say, Amen. I think you can preach that God can command the evil spirit like he did in the went and got in the hogs and went and destroyed the church. People say, Amen. But if you preach that God has power over man in his inmost being, we've got a dogfight on us. He said to Abimelech, I kept you from sinning with Abraham's wife. He comes to a man sitting at the post of being a tax collector and said, Leave it, come and follow me. The most solemn thought that I ever faced, and I know I don't know how to preach it, it sounds so cruel and so harsh. But I know it's the truth that the God and Father of the Lord Jesus Christ holds the destiny of men in his hands. And that men ought to find that out in our day. I believe with all of my heart in decision in its proper place. I believe in public profession in its proper place. Proper place. But I think the missing note that this generation is going to go to hell and never hear broadly speaking, is that men, in relation to God, are just exactly like Pilate and the Lord. Pilate can move only as a power bigger than he is allows him to. Men, when all said and done, are in the hands of Almighty God, who has a right and he's pleased to exercise it, to do as he will. I do not believe that anybody will ever have much appreciation for God's wondrous mercy until we take it out of the marketplace and place it once again in the bloodstained hand of Christ. Start telling men and women now you can't experience his mercy while you're rejecting him. It's in his hand. The God of the Bible is the God of power. Power over me. Power over me. I'm this much of an old fatalist. I can't explain it. I just expound it. Nothing can writhe or wriggle apart from Almighty God. He's on the throne. If we could preach a God who does, who saves people in a way other than grace, 
people would love him. The God of this Bible, the manufacturer of the great religious revival we've had, has got everybody believing in God and living in sin. It's different from the God who saves people in spite of. That's the deep meaning of grace. By grace are you saved. If we could preach that men deserve salvation, if we could preach that men do it themselves, but if we preach that it's a gift of God, it must be the truth that we are hostile to God when we remember that men hate that more than anything this side of hell, that our situation's so desperate, our natures are survive. That if God saves us, he has to save us in spite of us. And finally, only motive to save sinners within the goodness of his own heart. The God of the Bible is formed to bring judgment on sin. Surely the popular God won't punish sin. The only commandment people seem to be afraid of now is the eleventh, thou shalt not get caught. But the God of the Bible has sworn that he by no means clear the guilty. The God of the Bible is still the same God that says the soul that sinneth it shall die. The God of the Bible is the God who sends men to hell, the wicked shall be sent to hell and all the nations that forget God. The God of the Bible sends men to hell. That's awful, but the God of the Bible sends men to hell. The Scriptures, I think, say he sends men to hell for two reasons. First, the God of the Bible sends men to hell to preserve. Thank God to preserve and restrain the damage rebellious rebels would do if he didn't. I do not believe that we do service to the character of God by trying to soften this blow. I'm familiar and with that half-truth that God doesn't send men to hell, they send themselves to some truth that's by not any means all the truth. And we do not do service to a God whom we know is a God of love. If we do not understand that his love is so pure, and his love is so holy that he is determined that when he creates the new heavens and the new earth, nothing that defile it shall enter in. And to restrain the damage that rebellious men unregenerated by the Spirit and uncleansed with the blood would do. God Almighty 
same men behave. There's a verse of scripture, kind of when I'm a shouting ground, verses of scripture, I love to quote it now and then when I'm sort of under the juniper tree. Nevertheless, we look according to his promise. What for? New heaven and the new earth. Wherein dwelleth righteousness. If I'm right, if you read the book of Psalms, you'll find many times in the book of Psalms terrible judgments come on the enemy. That God may be merciful to his people. I don't know. God loves his people. Oh, God more than his people love him. And he's not going to let some rebel turn the new Jerusalem into another hell. No, no. He's not going to do it. But the scriptures, of course, are crystal clear that the main reason God judges and sends men to hell is to punish them, not to correct them, but to punish them. We're here where we only can worship. And I think not in her end, but God set to punish them. All of us put together couldn't prove our conception of sin and come close to how highness it must be if a God who's a God of love is determined to punish sin. By sending men to eternal hell, sin must be awful. It must be a terrible thing to be a rebel in God's world and to hate his holiness and to despise his rule and to trample his love. Hell isn't a place of correction. It's a place where a thrice holy God unbears his arm and punishes men for their sin. I was down in Mobile, Alabama. They put me on the radio. It's one of these so-called union meetings, all the Baptist churches in town got together, and we were trying to make an impact, and the Lord did give us a little blessing, and the radio got, I don't know, fire struck, and I, I, I preached on judgment, I just preached on judgment, hell, I couldn't preach on anything else, and it got awful hot, and it got to where people talking on the street, and and people under conviction. 
I couldn't get off of it. And finally, the big shots in the town, the big religious people, it got on their nerves and began to telephone and write and, and buttonhole the manager of the station. He wasn't a Christian. And they demanded that put me off there. Is why our children can't sleep at night. Oh, we can hear all over this city. I love to see it happen somewhere else. And the people at least conscious that there might probably be a sin hating, sin punishing God. That when he hung his son on the cross, he wasn't exercising. A little Sunday afternoon drill. He was doing the only thing that can be done to provide a way of escape from the awful wrath of a holy God against sin. A man just called me in. He said they're putting the fire under me. They're threatening to get in touch with the radio commission. They're going to do this and that and the other. They're really making it hot. I said, why, I wouldn't cause you any trouble. And uh, and you just, you won't put me off so all right. He said, no, sir. He said, preacher, I ain't a Christian, but he said, I sure wish I was. And he, then he cussed a little bit. He said, if you'll keep on preaching hell, I'll keep you on till hell freezes over. I don't know that may shock you. And he wouldn't put me off. And he got saved before it's over. And I got a letter from a nice, pious church member, and he was very sweet. And he said, young man, he said, I've been listening to you, and I'm an old man, and I want to offer a word of counsel to you. I hope you'll take it in the spirit in which it's given. I have no doubt he is well-meaning. He said, young man, it won't do sinners a bit of good for God to send them to hell. And the next day, without mentioning his name, and I think without getting in the flesh myself, I called attention to the fact that I'd received a letter from a man, and he told me that it wouldn't do sinners any good for God to send them to hell. And I said the man was right, but that ain't why God sends men to hell. I know I can't understand it. I couldn't explain it to anybody. I don't want to believe it. Don't read I believe it. It's in the book. God don't send people to hell to do them good. God help us. I wish our hearts could break about it. I wish our icicles would melt. I wish we'd kind of get a little alarmed about it. God sends people to hell to punish them. That's why I send people to hell, to punish them. That's why I send people to hell, not doing good, but punish them. When I was a boy on the farm, I had a black shepherd dog. That's the smartest dog anybody ever had. Boy, he is a crackerjack. I taught him every kind of trick he'd mind. They'd do whatever I told him to do. And one day I passed by him and he snapped that man. And I looked at him and some old white stuff was drooling out of his mouth. And it scared me. I just little fella. And I ran to Papa and I said, Papa, something wrong with Chef. 
And Papa came out of the house and stood on the porch and looked at Chef, and he grabbed me and put me back in the house and said, Stay there! And he went up to the mantel and got the shotgun and went out on the porch and it took a bead. And he shot old Chef right square between the eyes. And I cried like my heart would break. And my daddy tried to explain to me he never did succeed. He said, Chef's mad. And the only thing you can do with a mad dog is to get rid of him. Oh, men and women. God's not going to take men to glory to turn it into hell. And the only thing even a holy God can do else he's a monster. If a man wades through his life here on God's earth, if a man lives the days of his life here on God's earth that has been visited by the man Christ Where every bit of the soil has a little bit of the shed blood of Jesus Christ that mingled and flowed in the Palestine soil. Now the times are spread away. So that I believe I'm scientific and I say when you go out and step on Mother Earth, there's a little bit of the shed blood of Jesus Christ in there. This is a bad old world. There's one thing about it that's wonderful. God thought enough of it to visit it and die on a cross. And if a man wades through that, there's nothing God can do except send him to hell. out of the Bible judges sin the God of the Bible don't punish sin there's no hope for our foreigners Except as I can be united to him. Who one day, in time, right here on this earth, was nailed to a cross. And God vented his spleen, poured out his wrath.
And as he took my place, he endured my hell. If hell is any more than my God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me? That's hell. My only hope, my only plea, is Christ Jesus died, and he died for me. An infidel met old John Jasper, the colored preacher, and said, Brother Jasper, suppose you've been right all this preaching you've done. Suppose when you die you go to hell. Brother John said, Suppose I dies and goes to hell. Soon as my feet touch down there, I going to start a testimony meeting. Praising the Lord Jesus for dying in my stead. And said, the devil ain't going to let me stay. <laughs> oh, have you been joined by faith to him? Let's this Reformation audio track is a production of Stillwater's Revival Books. SWRB makes thousands of classic Reformation resources available, free and for sale, in audio, video, and printed formats. Our many free resources, as well as our complete mail-order catalog, containing thousands of classic and contemporary Puritan and Reform books, tapes, and videos at great discounts, is on the web at www swrb.com. We can also be reached by email at swrb at swrb.com, by phone at 780-450-3730, by fax at 780-468-1096, or by mail at 4710-37A Avenue, Edmonton, that's E-D, M-O-N-T-O-N, Alberta, abbreviated capital A, capital B, Canada, T6L3T5. You may also request a free printed catalog. And remember that John Calvin, in defending the Reformation's regulative principle of worship, or what is sometimes called the scriptural law of worship, commenting on the words of God, which I commanded them not, neither came into my heart, from his commentary on Jeremiah 7.31, writes, God here cuts off from men every occasion for making evasions, since he condemns by this one phrase, I have not commanded them, whatever the Jews devised. There is then no other argument needed to condemn superstitions than that they are not commanded by God. For when men allow themselves to worship God according to their own fancies, and attend not to his commands, they pervert true religion. And if this principle was adopted by the Papists, all those fictitious modes of worship in which they absurdly exercise themselves would fall to the ground. 
It is indeed a horrible thing for the papists to seek to discharge their duties towards God by performing their own superstitions. There is an immense number of them, as it is well known, and as it manifestly appears. Were they to admit this principle, that we cannot rightly worship God except by obeying his word, they would be delivered from their deep abyss of error. The prophet's words, then, are very important when he says that God had commanded no such thing and that it never came to his mind, as though he had said that men assume too much wisdom when they devise what he never required, nay, what he never knew.